Welcome to Beyond the Pink Cloud, the podcast where we talk about moving forward in our lives through recovery and navigating the world with grace, ease, and humor. We've got tools and strategies from the experts to help you live with less stress and increased ease. Let's get into today's episode. Thanks so much for tuning in for another episode. And today's episode is awesome. I talked to an old friend of mine that I actually haven't caught up with in years. And so we spent a good probably hour chatting before we even pressed record with Miss Deborah Dubree is my guest today. And she's an amazing, amazing person. And you'll hear more about her as we get into the episode. She's worked with elite athletes and um, high achieving performers. She's an elite strategist and like one of the, just one of the best people I've ever met. She's got a fascinating story. And so this is part of um, a new series that I'm going to be sprinkling in here and there, which is essentially just successful women and how women have started in one place, like with Deborah, she started as the receptionist at a company and then ended up owning the company. And so it's really about some pretty massive success stories of inspiring people who were doing work in the world that's just tremendous and so very important. And I think what happens when we see people doing this kind of work, at least what happens for me when I see people really shining and really in their light is it just reflects that light back to me and I can feel my own light, you know, just speaking up and and encouraging me to let it shine. And it's one of the reasons I love doing this podcast so much is because I get to talk to so many amazing people who are thriving and excited about doing their work in the world. And it's such a gift to have that reflection and to share it with all of you. So, I mean, without, without you guys listening out there, there wouldn't be a show. So I, I thank you. I thank you very much. And I hope everyone's doing well in the quarantine. It's so bizarre, isn't it? Um, I personally have been having a, a couple of down, a couple of down lower energy days. Um, and I just know that's part of it. You know, I think I say this every episode, <laughs> I'm either, I'm either in a really good place or I'm kind of in a lower spot. And you know, that's just fine. I think we all just are where we are with this. And, and it's really trying to figure out how to be okay with wherever we are. And, um, I, I do feel like that's something that I'm able to do relatively easily these days, which I'm very grateful for. And it's something that I, that's the work that I do with people. I mean, that's my own version of, of letting my light shine is, is helping other people to really be okay with whatever's happening, you know, and okay in the way that's true and authentic for, for them and for their bodies and for their being. Um, and so I'm just incredibly grateful always that I have the tools that I have and that I'm able to teach and share them. So I won't go on for too much longer. I know you'd love to get into the episode with the amazing Deborah Dubree. We will get that going right now as ongoing things in the community. Uh, the daily ritual practice is still happening Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. If you'd like to get in on that, please come join. We're in our third week and I keep thinking, oh, I'm not going to do it again. But then the participants will, they, they give me the nudge <laughs> and they're like, oh, please keep doing it. It's, it's great. So that's awesome. Um, and it's so good for me too. And it's just a really nice way to start the day and to have some movement and some grounding and some meditation. And so if you'd like to take part in that, I will post the link in the show notes. And of course, you can always reach out to me on social media and I also have a new website up. It's called Kirby Method Consulting, and you can get in touch with me there too. I do have a free guide actually about establishing a morning practice and a morning ritual because that's one of the things, especially in sobriety, that's really helped me a lot to be able to maintain an even keel. When I was new in sobriety, it really helped me to, um, to stay sober. So I recommend it for anyone 
who is curious about living an alcohol-free lifestyle, who would like just a little bit of support and structure around their sobriety. So yeah, definitely check that out. I'm excited. I'll put the the website in the show notes too. I did that in one of my bursts of energy phases, which is not happening tonight. But I hope you enjoy the episode and thank you so much for listening. Uh, please subscribe. Please like. Please tell your friends. I uh, I love I love that people like the show. It's really cool. And thanks for giving me a reason to to put it on and to get to speak with such amazing guests. So please enjoy the episode with Deborah. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Beyond the Pink Cloud. This is your host, Dr. Alice Kirby. And today I'm so excited. I'm talking with uh, Ms. Deborah Dubris. And Deborah's a, f- a friend of mine from a long time ago. And it's been wonderful to reconnect with her because she is an amazing amazing woman. And I'm going to read just briefly from her bio here so you get a sense of the amazingness of Miss Deborah. So with only a high school diploma, Deborah catapulted her career from answering phones as a receptionist to become the owner's CEO of a $20 million corporation. After selling the corporation, Deborah founded her current business, which is called Clear Edge LLC. Um, and so Deborah works with top performers who struggle with indecision, overcommitment, overwhelm, impatience, and frustration. And she helps for people to take some of these big dreams that they have and facilitate the life-changing action that can lead to extraordinary results. She's also a published author. I believe she's written two books. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm really excited. And I'm so happy to be reconnected with you again, because we've been through some classes together and some things where we were learning and growing and exploring and... uh, Yeah, I'm just very, very excited to reconnect. Yeah, me too. Definitely. It's a pleasure. And I'm, you know, I'm always, I was expressing this, we've been chatting for a while before we started the interview and I'm always so impressed with your, just your sensibility and your, your business acumen and your story is so fascinating too. I wonder if you could just give us a kind of a, I guess like an abridged version of, of your story and, and how you got to where you are and then maybe talk a little bit about um, what, you know, what you're doing currently and what's lighting you up and fueling your passions currently. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to. Um, so I promise this will be short, but I, <laughs> but I was born and raised in a small town outside of Chicago, about 8,800 people. Um, and in a year and a half, I graduated high school, graduated cosmetology school, took my state boards of Chicago, got my license as a beautician. We weren't stylists back then, we were beauticians. Um, got married, uh, had my first child all in 18 months, and that all completed a month before I turned 19. Wow. So I thought I knew everything. I was so damn smart right until I went into labor, and it was like, I could use a little help here. <laughs> <laughs> But then I had my second child while we were still in Illinois. Um, I was married at the time. My husband and I moved out to Arizona. And uh, once the family was all settled, uh, I was looking for a job. I wanted to get my entire goal was to get out of the house, not talk baby talk and and earn enough money to pay for the car and the insurance and, you know, all that kind of stuff and the preschool for my son ended up with a job as a receptionist for a property management investment company, which was exactly where I belonged because in my mind, my perspective of who I am uh, was that small town girl, high school diploma, receptionist, that's me. Mm. Six months later, bored to tears. It was like I'd rearranged everything in the front office. I was taking phone calls I wasn't supposed to take, but I knew I could. 
and they they started sending me out on properties because they would uh the company that i work for um would buy land to put together joint ventures turn it over to our construction division to build apartment complexes and then it was turned back over to the property management side to manage the property so they'd send me out like a secret shopper to go out mm -hmm. properties and uh at that six month mark the there was an opening in our construction division for a construction accountant and the gal the two gals that worked over there kept coming across the hall in the office building we worked at because i answered their phones too and they kept leaning over the little wall that was around me as in the receptionist area and said you know come over to the dark side come over to construction <laughs> and i really wanted the job because i knew it would be more money more prestige um i really wanted a business card because everybody who came into the front office handed me a business card hmm. but i had two problems one um i knew nothing about construction the second one was i'd never taken an accounting class in my life i wrote about it in my second book of how i got to the, the that sunday right before the cutoff for resumes and applications on monday that i was sitting on the living room floor with a legal tablet and trying to write out why, you know, why would they choose me over all these other accountants and bookkeepers and everybody else who was applying. And uh, ended up got to a point where I was just um, frustrated. I mean, I had tears rolling down my face. I was rolling up paper, throwing it across the floor, trying to rewrite something again. Finally went into the kitchen, um, threw some water on my face, jumped up and down, getting some energy back on my body. And I finally went, why the hell not me? You know, mm -hmm. why not me? And then I started creating what I know. Part of, part of what I teach my clients is my self, I, in quotes, identity statement. So not the Kobe or the Myers-Briggs or the, you know, all the other tests that are out there that are good. But too often I find that they just become an excuse as to why you can't do something. Uh, this is based, based on gut. You know, so I came up, my statement was something like, uh, I'm street smart. I'm gutsy. I am tenacious. I ask a lot of really smart questions. I expect answers. Um, and I'll do what it takes to get ahead within my value system. I've now shortened that to, I just get my Chicago on. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I like this whole process. And I, so if somebody wants to practice this, um, and sorry, I'm just going to interrupt you briefly because oh, I think yeah. this is, is fascinating. And what a great system is I agree with you about some of those personality tests. I've been in a few uh, groups lately where the Enneagram is this powerful tool and, you know, maybe it is, I don't, I don't know that much about it, but I like what you're saying because it, it's like, it brings the, the empowerment back to the individual and to really shift the focus towards, you know, what can I do in this situation and what do I have available, available to me? Would you, are there any other guidelines that you'd recommend for somebody who, who wants to practice this? Well, some of it is, um, in the beginning, what I was looking at was, um, before I knew better, <laughs> I was just, you know, well, how do I need to feel? What is it that I feel in my gut, you know, mm. about me? What do I know to be true about me? Um, and that's still great. And that still works quite well, which is how I came up with that statement. Now, part of what I teach people is look at not only where you are, but look at where is it that you want to go? What is that end result? What's that goal you're looking for? How do you need to think? How would you behave? Um, and when I say think, how would you think about yourself? How would you think about others? How would you behave? What emotionally would you feel when you're there? 
and then write that out. So it's a pre, you know, it's a um, future focus and then bring that back and start acting and behaving and feeling and thinking that way now. And it shortens the journey from where you are to where you want to go. I love that. It's reminiscent of some of the, uh, some of our conscious language classes too. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And it's knowing the words like not everybody would say they're street smart and gutsy and tenacious. Those are my words. Mm. Somebody might say something similar, but they might have different words. So it's got to be your own uh, raw, real words that you use internally about yourself when you talk about yourself in a state of high performance. I like that. I think that's an important, important distinction to make. Mm. Um, so anyway, so I ended up getting the job. So it was like, okay, this is good. Now I was scared to death because now, now what am I going to do? But I gutted it out and I'd wake up in the morning sometimes, uh, we dark 30 in the morning because this was construction and be, you know, in the semi dark in the bathroom, getting dressed, putting my makeup on. I, uh, you know, wrote about it in my first book. I was like standing in front of the mirror, putting my war paint on as I was putting a little <laughs> lipstick and, you know, the you know, the eyebrows and the whatever else. It was like, yes, this is who I am. Hmm. Uh, ended up with 25 years in construction where, you know, we went from that answering phones as a receptionist to owning and running a $20 million corporation and did it on a high school diploma. And it's because I was learning um, all the sciences, studying spirituality and all the sciences at the same time and applying them to myself um, as the beta <laughs> Mm -hmm. and seeing it work and um as as i continued to grow then it was like okay well if i can do that what else can i do mm -hmm. and that became a grounding statement of going okay well now you know i've stumbled i've fallen but i've gotten up and i've gotten better um and i'm i'm doing more learning more and earning more than what i did in the past so now what because i'm I tend to, when I get really, really good at something, it's like, I want more. I need, a, mm -hmm. I need another challenge. Yeah. Do you think that's a personality trait of yours? Oh, I think it is with any high performer. Yeah. We're, never, we're never satisfied. You know, we're happy and grateful, but not satisfied. There's that inkling for, okay, now I need, that, I need another hit you mm -hmm. know, of, of the um, adrenaline, the desire, the growth, because it's... I've won the prize, whatever that might be. It could be something quite small. Uh, it could be something that on a daily basis, I'm saying, you know, I want to, I'm going to do this and I accomplish it on a daily basis. Well, I've won. So now that I've won that and built a new habit, now it's like, okay, so what else? Mm -hmm. And I keep moving into something bigger, better, greater than. And I, I like how you're, you're speaking about it too, because I know sometimes I'll hear this high performance sort of language, but where there's this like pushing edge to it of, of like, you've got to get the next thing. And I, in listening to you talk and engaging with you, and because I know you, I just, your energy feels so relaxed about it. And it's true of like, what else can I accomplish? Because that's what feels good to me is to accomplish these things. It's not this weird internal, like I must do this to be successful. I feel like there's a very, there's, there's two different ways to approach it. Absolutely. And there's a difference in, you know, what is success? Yes. Success might be the best mother that they could, somebody could be, which was my goal in the beginning. And then as I became pretty good at motherhood, <laughs> I don't know if <laughs> ever really good, but pretty good at motherhood, even when I became a single mom, 
um, that uh, it was like, I, I'm looking for more. And then it was like, how can I continue to be really good at being a mother to my two children and have my own career at the same time and not feel guilty about it? Mm-hmm. And if anything, I've taught my children who are now adults, like my daughter and her husband just celebrated their 26th wedding anniversary and my wow. son and wife, their 11th. So, um, so they've done all right, you know, yeah. uh, but it's looking at, so what is it that feeds me, feeds mm-hmm. my heart? And that's different for everybody. So who am I to judge what anybody else's success is? Cause it's not my, it's none of my business. Yeah. I just, help, I just help them reach theirs, whatever it is for them, mm-hmm. and to get clear on what it is for them. You know what? Yeah, is- that was going to be my next question. Actually, is if somebody isn't sure what feeds them, because I run into this uh, a fair amount with my work as well, where you know people kind of have an idea of the life that they want, but they're not exactly sure what pieces need to plug in to that puzzle, or you know well, what that what that sense of being fed is for them. Right, and part of it I find is when. Uh, someone's unclear and that can be someone who's in, you know, a high level corporate position or it could be somebody just starting out as an entrepreneur or anyone, uh, quite honestly, if they, um, part of the problem with trying to come up with our goals in the normal way is we're feeding off the same database we've always used Mm. or going back in memory and, and thinking of our past and then trying to take that and apply it into the future. And there's not a lot of creativity to that. It's just the same old stuff in a different package. So what I do is I take clients into what I call future focus. So I'll take them out. And I actually did this in a business with a whole sales group. There was like 22 guys over I think three days that I did sessions with each one of them uh, for like 30 minutes, but took them out like 30 years into the future. Uh, eyes wide open to where their conscious mind drops away. Mm-hmm. And now we're working with the subconscious mind, which is about um, uh, more about emotions and had them envision what it was like as they went out further and further to where I had one guy come up with it. Well, I've had a couple, couple guys come up with, inve- uh, come up with inventions. Um, one guy created a whole new job description for himself um, you know, so there's, it's, we got to get out of our own way in order to figure out where do we want to go or who do we want to be and what does that feel like to us? And the thing is, we think about it too much mm-hmm. where we really need to feel into it more. Yep. I agree. Much mm-hmm. of my work is all about feeling and being in our bodies and having access to the ability to feel like, what do we even like? You know, what feels good? Right. Can, can we pause and notice when we, when we feel like ourselves or when we feel connected? Isn't that the truth? That's what I so love about the work that you do in that as well, is that, you know, we both work with the emotional body and it's so important. It doesn't mean we're going to get rid of the brain and we're going to sit around and hold hands and hum all day. <laughs> <laughs> or go to a mountaintop or whatever. It just means that as human beings, we are feeling beings Therefore, when we feed our feelings, we think more clearly and we act with more definition to recreate those feelings again when we do it the right way. Mm -hmm. I love that. 
And I'm curious too, I know we're sort of dancing around this topic as we're communicating, but what are some of the, the biggest mind, mindset like shifts or, or new levels of awareness that you've had to make as you've gone through these different phases? And it sounds like you've always known that you really like new challenges and have wanted to come up with them. And, and you talked about the mindset shifts of, of, of why not me? Have there been any other like really prevalent ones or large scale kind of changes for you that have helped you get, you know, stay on your path and move to the next step? Yeah, the biggest one that changed the entire trajectory of my life was whenever I went from receptionist to construction accountant, because that was the first time that I had realized that I didn't have to stay in a container of beliefs. You know, the belief that I'm a small town girl, the belief that I have a high school diploma and that that wasn't good enough or I wasn't good enough to do these other things. I realized that everybody that came in were, they were college graduates um, and sometimes multiple degrees or whatever. Um, I didn't have the time or the money to go get a degree. So I had to outsmart what everybody else was doing. And I did it by trusting myself, believing in myself, and then acting upon that new belief. Mm-hmm. And I've done that, you know, through multiple careers. Because um, I said, we were talking earlier that as soon as I get good at something, I got to go do something else. <laughs> it may be something else within the same company as I was coming up the ladder, but I've got to push myself to another level. And even whenever I sold my company after 25 years in construction, when I sold my company and started working uh, more with clients as opposed to people within the company doing this type of work, uh, when I went to start working with um, sports, um, I had a uh, marketing person at the time, and uh, I said, well, I want to work with sports. I'm a Chicago girl. You know, mm-hmm. I'm born and raised around sports. And he said, well, you got to pick sport. And I said, football. And he said, well, I'll go out and I'll ask, uh, ask some of the high schools and stuff if we can get you in to talk to some of the players and that. And I'm going, excuse my language, but, you know, bullshit. I want to work with the NFL, go find me people to talk to. Mm -hmm. So I went out and interviewed agents and interviewed retired players and things. So I did my homework, but then I had to take the leap of offering my work for free to a couple agents and saying, as soon as I work with your player uh, for X amount of sessions and you're satisfied and they're satisfied, I want a testimonial from both of you. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was that leap of faith in myself where I was, now don't get me wrong, my heart was pounding like crazy. And I was thinking to myself, holy man, what have you gotten yourself into? But at the same time, that thrill of the excitement of doing it and doing it well was, it it built another foundation for me to stand on to say, okay, well, I can do this too. Now I just need to hone it in and get better at it. And then let's see what else I can do after that. It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, you know, people talk about vision boards and stuff. And it's like, I didn't have a vision board or any of that other stuff. Now, do I believe in them? If they're done right? Yes, most of them aren't. Um, what would make one be done right? I'm curious. Well, you pick pictures. It's like that future focus. You mm-hmm. pick pictures that represent what it is that you want in the future. Because again, when we look at manifesting, we manifest from our subconscious mind from the, it's not a reptilian brain, it's the subconscious mind that 
connects to whatever your belief is, whether that's God, source, infinite intelligence, point zero, whatever you want to connect to, where you can bring more creativity in. Um, so it's being able to use your mind, all of your mind and your emotional body to create what you want to create. So going back to the vision board, when you can find pictures that bring you into an emotion, maybe it takes you into tears. Mm -hmm. Maybe it takes you into just the, oh, that's it. That's the one. So I used to have one um, based on relationship that was just a white rose, had a hint of pink and a one droplet of water on it. And for me, that represented purity in the relationship. Anybody else looking at it might have said, oh, that's pretty. To mm -hmm. me, it had some representation to it. So having various pictures that represent how you want to feel when you have whatever you're looking to have or grow into. And then when you are, you know, people say, well, you got to look at your vision board every day. Well, that's BS. You have to envision it and bring mm. that emotional aspect back because it's the energy of the emotions that bring about the possibilities. And it may not show up exactly the way you think. That's okay because, our, again, our database is limited. The universe is, is wide open. Mm -hmm. So it could show up much better than what you believe because I'd never had thought I'd be in construction or working with NFL players or doing C-suite. Still only have a high school diploma. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. What other kind of um, courses and trainings have you done over the years? Because clearly you're, you're very skilled at what you do. You're, the people you work with get great results. You're able to really change and benefit people's lives. Oh, thank you. Um, well, it's a combination of uh, NLP, Neuro Linguistic um, Programming, uh, Neuroscience, Brain Research, um, positive psychology, behavioral psychology, sports psychology, conscious language, uh, body language, um, hypnosis. Mm. I mean, almost you, you name it and I've done it. You know, right now I'm working on um, um, that neural gamification, you know, a card game that can be played online um, and start to use both sides of the brain and use them in the proper way that we can connect more easily with people and have... Um, easier, better, more open communications, both in corporate and in life. Hmm. That's fantastic. Was it hard for you to meld all of these, these things together that you're learning from different sources or did that come fairly naturally to you? Could you see easily how they fit together? Or was it more just through practice and in the doing that, that you could create this, this formula that you use when you work with your clients? It's, it's the practice, I think more than anything, because, um, I can't, it's, I don't really separate one from the other. Hmm. Um, I'm fed by my client, you know, whatever my client needs and they're all different. They may stay, they may all get taught similar things, but in different orders. Mm -hmm. So for instance, I had a guy that came to me, he was an entrepreneur, traveled around the country, was on the plane five or six times a week because he would travel from one state to the next and then to the next and then to the next. Had gotten to the point where he was, um, um, having panic attacks, getting onto the airplane, mm. not good. No. Um, so with him, my, my first step with him was teaching him uh, some of the heart math techniques and that so he could de-stress in the moment, envision what it was like now that he was not stressed anymore. 
um, and be able to get on a plane, just walk through the airport and be comfortable and then be able to get onto the plane and fly different places and be okay with it. Then we went back and talked about, all right, so now let's talk about your business and how are you communicating with your different district managers and that, what's the language that you're using? How are you setting up meetings to get the best end results out of your meetings with the uh, you know, end result in mind, the intention in mind? So everybody starts different. Mm-hmm. And it depends on the age group and whether I'm working with sports or business as well or entrepreneurs it's wonderful you've got such a a vast array of tools yeah thank you makes it fun (laughs) yeah i'll bet keeps your brain moving within the sessions yeah absolutely and i was asking you this before we started recording and i'd really love to hear your thoughts on it is is why do you think some people are more successful you know particularly i guess in my world is this entrepreneurial world and people coming down these these new paths and trying different things and I mean, do you think there's inherently personality traits that can make someone more successful or is it just that ability to cut through your own bullshit or get out of your own way? Um, what do you, I'd be really curious to hear your thoughts on that as, as somebody who really has just taken the, the bull by the horns, so to speak. And yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And uh, what I see happening sometimes, you know, people will look at, I'm going to say this differently. The clients I work with, I don't care who they are or what profession they're in, um, what has happened is they've been successful, uh, whatever, again, goes back to whatever success is for them. It could be somebody in, a, in New York in the tallest building in the biggest office with a $10,000 suit on and a Ben sitting outside, and they could still be average hmm. to their own, to themselves, because they know they're, they're capable of so much more and or to their peers. Either way, when they hit that, what some people would call a plateau, um, it frustrates the heck out of a high performer because they've used their skill, their talent, their creativity, their intelligence to get to where they are. Ups and downs, yes, but to get to where they are. But now what's happening is they will um, start to do what I call touch and run. So they all do something really good, but then they go right back to their baseline of whatever average is for them. Again, average at a very high level. When I work with college players that just made it into the NFL, they went from big man on campus to barely average in the NFL because it's a different experience and a lot of uncertainty. And it happens with all of us in business as well, whether you're an entrepreneur or corporate. So when they're in that touch and run phase where, again, all their knowledge and and talent and intelligence has gotten them where they are, the frustration comes in. They can still keep trying to apply all of that and it's not working. Mm -hmm. So what's needed is a new contextual framing for who they are. It goes back to that cutting away of what no longer is serving you the thoughts, the emotions, the beliefs that maybe were true at one time, but they're not true anymore. Well, I'm not any good at that, you know, until you are. Um, or, I don't know, whatever a belief, you know, people might have of, they're not going to like me. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I've only got a high school diploma. I'm a woman. I'm, you know, those type of things that get in our way from taking one more step forward. When we can learn how to take that one more step forward, um, then we start to build evidence. If we look at it and, or, and have the insight, we start to build evidence for ourselves that we can do this. 
I have a formula that's knowledge plus experience plus insight equals wisdom that creates growth. Hmm. So knowledge is not, you can Google knowledge all day long. Not a big deal. It's good table talk. That's about it. Hmm. Experience now tells you that, that emotional aspect of, holy man, this is amazing. I love doing this. Is, or I don't want to ever do this again. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> but whatever it is, at least you get an idea of what that's like. Then you go to the insight and you now look at the knowledge plus the experience and say, okay, so what does this mean to me? What did I learn? And what does it mean to me? How do I apply it and keep moving and adjust it potentially? Or just go, mm, no, not my thing. I thought mm -hmm. it was, but it's really not. Either way, it's a great answer. And then when you have that insight, now you have the wisdom to make different and better decisions, which create growth. I love that you laid that out in a formulaic way. Mm. Yeah, it makes a lot more sense to the brain to be able to take all that in a little bit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Definitely. Kind of puts it in a bit of a container. And the part that most people miss is the insight. Mm -hmm. They have knowledge and experience. They never stop and do the insightful thing of not was that good or bad or, you know, give some type of judgment to it, but what did it mean to me? Hmm. Is it important to me or not? Maybe it was fun, but it didn't move you forward in your business if that was the goal. Mm -hmm. Maybe it wasn't fun, but you could say, well, if I tweak it a little bit, it could be fun and it could be profitable. And that can be applied to relationships or you know, business, whichever. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's definitely insightful. I think I need to go back and listen to that later. Useful. Rewind. And I know you are, I won't keep you too much longer, but I do have a few more questions I want to yeah. ask. Um, no I know you're active in different entrepreneurial communities and it sounds like you serve on um, a, a board. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. It's an advisory board. board. Right. And so, and I know the benefit of, of communities as well. It's really important to have people surround you that are on, you know, similar missions and can help spur you ahead and keep your spirits up as well as challenge you and, and help you to grow. Um, and I'm curious for you at the level where you are with the work you're doing, what, what do you look for when you're seeking out communities? What kind of criteria do you, do you look for, or are there certain, um, I guess, traits of the community or personalities within the community that, that are really attractive to you or that you seek out? Yeah, that's a great question. Cause I'm, I, as much as I love being talking, I can do panels. I love getting, I've been in front of a thousand people. I've, I've spoken nationally and internationally, love doing all that. You mm. put me in a networking group and I just want to curl up in a ball someplace. Cause I just don't like it. Cause I get bored. Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to be politically correct on this, but a woman's group, if they start talking and I'm being very facetious about this, about baking cookies and cupcakes mm -hmm. and who's done what I could care less mm -hmm. um, because if it's a business group, it's not applicable. Um, so I'm always looking for a stimulating conversation. I do not want to be the smartest person in the room. Now I might be the smartest person in the room at what I do, but I want to be surrounded by other people who are the smartest people in the room at what they do because now that gives me the opportunity to learn and to grow. Mm -hmm. 
you know, just based on my own personality. And again, it's not right or wrong in some groups, the, the baking the cookies and the cupcakes and stuff is a fabulous thing. And I'm, I'm not against that at all. Just not for me. I'm way past that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm way past that. I've done the girl scouts and brownies and all that. Um, so I'm looking for stimulation who, and I would rather hang out in a group that is at least one, if not two or more layers above where I am in my life or my business. Mm-hmm. Um, just like whenever I can remember playing tennis years and years ago, um, where I always look to play somebody in a bracket, a couple brackets above me, because it wasn't about me winning. It was about me getting better. Mm-hmm. And, I, and my, I, my personality, again, is that I'm only going to get better if I'm challenged. And I can't be challenged by somebody who's equal to me. Mm-hmm. Do you have to do any, or, or have you ever had to do any work like with your ego around that? I mean, I, sometimes I think it's intimidating to be, to be like two, two layers, as you said, you know, below everybody else in the room. And that's kind of a weird way to say it, but I think I'm getting the point across. Um, mm-hmm. Did you have to do any particular ego work or do you just sort of suit up and go in and know that you're going to come out stronger for it what, me ego well, <laughs> somebody asked me once when i was out speaking um they said well do you ever have negative thoughts or negative emotions? Like, nope human. never yeah human, of course i do and you know it's just i've learned with the techniques that i can apply instead of that instead of being in the downward spiral for hours or days or weeks or years, I'm in it for much, much shorter. You know, if I'm, if I'm an hour into it, that's way too long for me because I need to be asking myself, okay, suck it up. Mm-hmm. That hurts. Don't like it. You know, wish it hadn't happened. Now what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. And it goes back to that asking the brain the right questions because if you ask the brain, well, what, what went wrong? What did I do wrong? How did I screw that up? it will tell you all the ways that you screwed it up Mm -hmm. wrong. Not real helpful. Right. Ask the brain, what can I do different or better? How can I move forward? Mm -hmm. Then you're asking more results-based questions. So now you start to move out of it and action will trump fear every time. So get in action. I don't care how tiny it is. It could be just getting up off the floor, the couch, the bed, the whatever, and going for a walk or just raising your head up to the, you know, to the sky is enough sometimes to just pull you out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely had to work on, oh my God, you know, oh my gosh, what have you just gotten yourself into? But then based on evidence of doing that for years and being aware that I just did it, maybe not always at the time, but that insight of going, holy man, what just happened? Mm-hmm. And then going, all right, that was cool. And keep yeah. that evidence and that foundation, it allowed me to keep moving up, so to speak, and what I will push myself to do. <laughs> yeah, and it makes, it makes sense. I'm getting slapped around or knocked down or whatever um, because I made a lot of mistakes too. Some big, heavy mistakes. But I won't make them again. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think to get anywhere in life, you're, you're going to look back and have made some pretty significant mistakes. It's called growth. Yeah. If you're not making mistakes. You're not doing enough. Yeah. They talk about the entrepreneurial world of being more about mistakes than doing it right. 
You know, you look at anybody who's invented anything, man, they went through a whole bunch of mistakes before they ever hit on the one thing that has made them famous in some way. Yeah, I read that um, some of the like Fortune 500 companies, every quarter they want to see like X amount of mistakes because that way they know their team is trying new things and building new things and and in development. Yeah, you're taking risks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, Which I liked. And I really like what you said too about building that body of evidence for yourself of, of, oh, I can do this because I think on a conscious and more on, on a subconscious level and, you know, thinking about the nervous system as I do um, so much of the time, I feel like that you're, again, you're training your system that you're safe and that it's okay to take these risks because now you have this evidence and, and your system can kind of settle with, with this new like level of awareness or a new position wow. in the world or in society. Um, so I think that's a really great point. And I think that evidence building works both on, you know, on your conscious and on your subconscious mind. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Cause you're building part of it is around, and you know, this very, very well is that it's, you know, whatever story we decide or t- to tell ourselves, we just have to figure out what the story is. So mm. I could really screw something up. I mean, royally bad. And if I tell myself, man, are you so stupid? I can't believe that you did that. Who, you know, who did you think you were and all that? It's not a very helpful story, no. but I can look at it and say, you screwed that up. Yeah, I really did. Okay. So did you learn anything? Yeah, I did. What'd you learn? Well, I learned this and this and this and this. Okay. So is that going to help me in the future? Yes. So was that smart? Mm, maybe not the best decision, but it was really smart because now I know more than I did before. Had I not done whatever it was, had I not at least tried, I wouldn't have known. It would always have been a wonderment of could I or couldn't I have accomplished that. Mm-hmm. When I did, uh, this is kind of semi off topic, but um, when I did a great white shark dive, oh. and some of the people around me saying, you know, you know, they do, 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 you know, what do you, do you not watch Jaws? Do you not know? you know, why are you doing this? And I said, because I've never done it before. Mm -hmm. So why would I not? Now, were you in a cage? I want to hear more about this shark dive. Yeah, Yeah, not stupid. I was in a cage. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody somebody would say that's stupid too. But uh, yeah, my son-in-law and I went uh, because he's, he's he's a mountain climber. Um, and we were at dinner, uh, the family, my daughter and my, uh, son-in-law, my son and his wife and I, and my son-in-law was saying, Hey, guess what, mom, guess what I'm going to be, you know, doing and started telling me about it. And I started asking questions and he stopped and kind of looked at me. He says, are you actually considering going? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to push myself onto your trip. This is your experience. He said, are you kidding me? He said, if you'll go, he said, I, that's great. You know, we shared a cabin and all that. Hmm. And yeah, it was a great white shark. Three days of uh, cage diving. Wow. With great white sharks. But what I did <clears throat> is, yes, was fear up? Of course it was. Again, they're sharks. They were 14 foot long sharks. Uh, and I'm in their living room, you know, mm-hmm. so, when I'm in the water. Um, but I envisioned myself for weeks at a time of my son-in-law and I on the airplane flying home and we're showing each other the pictures that we had taken and telling the stories and laughing. So I was already in the end result, Mm. which trained then my body and my mind and my autonomic nervous system and my emotional system to all go, all right, well, this is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It'll be fine. No, 
nervous, a little bit of fear up and all that. That's cool. That's, you know, if you turn it into excitement, that's cool. Mm-hmm. But now I can build on that, not only for adventure, but for business too. That's like, really, yeah, that's really neat to, to take it to the end, the end level um, or the end, the end result. It's like a trauma technique too, in a, in a different way is to, you know, check in with the person on like, when did you feel safe? And then you can exactly. sort of work backwards. Reframe it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The reframing. Yeah. That's brilliant though. And, and in the way that you described it, cause I haven't been thinking about, about things like that. I like that a lot. Well, I look at too. Um, years ago, I did the uh, Richard Petty School of Driving, so I drove 600 horsepower race car. Now oh, I went. Wow. I went to um, uh, where was it? Down in Florida. I'm trying to think that uh, 500. Anyway, I went to the races first, and it was the year that Dale Earnhardt was killed. Wow! So I was there the day that he was killed. The next day, I was getting into 600 horsepower race car. Now, above and beyond that, my brother, when I was 12 years old, was killed in a car accident. That's right. So when I take all that, and then Richard Petty was killed right in front of me, didn't realize it because nobody knew the accident and didn't look like, um, or not Richard Petty, Dale Earnhardt, um, was killed in the accident that didn't look that bad to anyone. Mm. Um, And then going and getting into the race car that next day, I needed to do some work that night on me to go, this is, this is good. This is you facing the fear of being in that situation where you're traveling, I would average 124 miles an hour um, and staying in control of the car, but also managing my emotions and my mm-hmm. thoughts at the same time to where the experience was exciting. I mean, it was an amazing Trio mm-hmm. um, experience, but when I'm out speaking, I talk about it was my choice. I could slow up, speed up, move to the left, move to the right. But until I'm in motion, until I took my foot off the clutch and put it on the gas, and I hit fourth gear when I was going into that very first embankment, until I was in motion, all it was was a car of 600 horsepower rumbling underneath me and going nowhere. Hmm. And if you think about that as human beings, there's a lot of human beings in this world who are that 600 horsepower race car just rumbling mm-hmm. and not going any place because they're afraid to take their foot off the clutch and put their foot on the gas and slow up, speed up, turn, do whatever they need to do when they're in motion. You know, you adjust as you go. And, I, and again, I, I really like how you talked about being able to have control over this vehicle. And also you were in touch with your emotional body throughout the whole mm-hmm. experience. Cause I think sometimes the sense of needing to control things can be, you know, I don't want to use the word pathological, but it can be problematic for people of like, I, I need to have this control. And um, I think marrying the two of being able to like control a situation where you need to have control to be safe, um, right. but to also do it from a place where you're self-connected. Yes. Yes. Well, and the thing too, if people think they can control their thoughts and their emotions, they're crazy (laughs) because they happen in nanoseconds Yeah, and they're happening from memories and past experience and, you know, those type of things. We can manage them. 
We can notice them, name them, manage them in the moment. So even like the the race car incident that we talked about where I, you know, did it when I got out and I was like, yes, you know, screaming like, oh my God, this is amazing. Then it took the insight of what really did I accomplish? It wasn't just driving the race car. It was so much more for me because of my brother's death, hmm. because of all the things that came with that, that just that experience, I was able to go, all right, so let me make sure I take this in and fully embody the fact that I just got in a car and drove it that fast, didn't flip it, didn't die, didn't anything. I came out of it accelerated and have a new story to tell now. I think that's, that's one of um, th- this idea of taking insight and to ask what's meaningful to you about the experience, I think is a really good takeaway from our entire conversation. Um, and certainly not the only one, but I like that you came back around to that because I think that's incredibly powerful to, to ask yourself those questions and to take time and self-reflect because so often we're just jumping and moving along and okay, that didn't work. What next? But I think adding that pause period and to ask yourself what was meaningful about this and, and why, and, and let that be the guiding of, do I want to continue this or switch gears or. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think even if we do that, um, when we look at relationships, um, when we can step back, whether it's a business relationship or a personal relationship and can, put ourselves in the other person's seat, Mm -hmm. see it from their point of view and say, okay, so I may not understand the why they acted that way because it's their database, not mine, their emotions that they've gained over the years, not mine. But I can certainly, instead of judging them, I can put myself in their position and I may not, uh, I may not like it, still may not like it, but I might be able to have a little more empathy mm-hmm. of, oh, well, I don't know what they've gone through. In fact, we, we talked, you and I talked a little bit earlier about this neural gamification. That's one of the things that we do with that card game is that it's telling stories, mm. sometimes about a picture on a card, telling a story, oh yeah, well, this person is, I can see there um, that this is what's going on. So you're making up a story about them based on how they look. Uh, in that picture, sometimes you have that picture and you tell the story, this reminds me of a time when I felt this way or did this or something happened. And when you hear other people telling their stories, then it's like, oh, I didn't even know that about you. Mm-hmm. No wonder now it makes sense that you use certain words or act in certain ways, not good or bad. It's just interesting. It is interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think even our friendship and our connection, I, I think was forged, you know, relatively deeply because of the, the way that we interacted with each other, which, which was really deeply hearing and understanding each other's stories and the conscious language work. Exactly. And great vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And in that vulnerability, there's so much power in that vulnerability. Or I don't know if I would say power, but strength in that vulnerability. Yeah, I agree. But, yeah. Strength so. is a good word. Yeah. So I'm just going to have ask you one more question because um, I feel like we could go on for a really long time. Otherwise, <laughs> I don't like to let my episodes go too long because I know I could be. Uh, I know your talk's probably like, let me out. Um, 
So just if you have any advice or words of wisdom for anyone who is on a similar path or is who's trying to manage some of these things or step up to that next level. Um, and I know you gave a lot of advice in this, but I guess just any parting words or anything that you found to be a unifying factor for you as you've gone through your, through your life and through your journey to this point. Um, good question. I think for a lot of it, it's always that self-awareness and self-assessment, not from a point of judgment of labeling, I did it right, I did it wrong, I'm not good enough, I'm better than, or any of the rest, but just a um, kind of the, okay, so now that I know this new information based on something that went really well or didn't go well at all, um, what more do I know about myself? And is the direction I'm heading the actual direction that I really want to go? Or was that just a, um, a thought I had or you know, a goal that I put on a piece of paper that I thought was my goal? Um, and I'm still going towards that same goal when I really don't even like the goal anymore, mm -hmm. but I feel I need to do it because I said I was going to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, so when I'm working with clients, I only, I look at 90 days. I said, you might have a huge vision. That's fine. We look at 90 days, plan out the 90 days, put that into place and act on that. Stay focused and do your, whether it goes right or whether it goes wrong, you do it for 90 days, whatever it is. And then at the 90 days and you get close to the end of 90 days, you reassess what I like, what didn't I like, what could I do different or better? Um, who did I like? Who didn't I like? Who might I want to have in my world more? And who do I want to say, mm, nope, all done with that. Mm -hmm. uh, whether that's a group or an individual or whatever. And then you set another 90 days. Because as I said earlier, I would have never, ever, ever, ever envisioned myself where I am right now. And the people that I've worked with and the travels around the world that I've done and the speaking and the coaching and the whatever. And if I had set a path, I was a hairdresser. I would still be a hairdresser today. Nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't have fed my soul the way the work that I've done has fed my soul. Your hair does look really great. I was going to tell you that earlier. <laughs> <laughs> and when you said a cosmetologist, I was like, oh, I really should have complimented her hair. Oh, like my, dog, my dog's got his hair trimmed too. So it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and not to take away from the, the levity of what you said, I think it's, <laughs> it's so important to, to realize we can create these bigger boxes for ourselves again and again and again. It really is. And the, you know, I look at it and I was trying to think, I think it was in the second book where I wrote, um, you know, it's, well, I'll say this differently. Even when I'm working with athletes, let's say NFL players, and I, you know, I tell them it's not about the win. Win is an end result. Confidence is an end result. You know, people come to me and say, well, I want to feel confident. And I go, no, you don't. Hmm. You want to have courage. Because when you have courage to take the step, confidence comes with it to the hmm. degree of the courage that you had to take the step. Now, the win is you could take the step and not win, but you took the step. So it's about those, those micro movements that you do forward where you can stop, assess, have some insight, adjust, and then move again that make a difference. The win is the result of taking enough of those steps 
towards the goal. Just like in football, it's you got to move the ball down the line. You don't mm-hmm. get the football and run all the way to the end zone. You know, typically you don't anyway. Um, it's then you get the ball farther down the field, farther down the field, farther down. First, you know, then you get, you know, first down. Then I farther down the field, farther down the field. Oops, first down. You know, it's the same way in business and in life. You just keep moving the ball down the field. Yeah. And celebrate one. every time you do. Mm-hmm. Because it's the praise and the celebration that locks it in where your brain and your autonomic nervous system know, oh, you want more of that. All right, exactly. I can more of that. But you got to be aware to yeah. do that praise. And you got to feel it. You got to hang out with that part a little bit. That's what Yeah, praise yourself yeah. in detail like you would if you had a, an employee. Or I also give the example of a child. If the you know, five-year-old Alice was in front of me and I said, come on, Alice, pick up your toys, you know, get them, get them all put away because we're going to go do whatever. And you went around, picked up all the toys and put them in the toy box. You come running over and I say, good job. You know, in the little five-year-old mind, which we all have a five-year-old inside of us, the five-year-old mind is going, oh, well, you said good morning. And somebody said, how are you doing? You go, oh, good. You know, are you mm-hmm. whatever? So it's meaningless. But if you say, oh my gosh, I love that you picked up all your dolls and you put them in one corner of the box and stacked them all up nice and neat. And you took all your blocks and your trucks and you put them and you lined them up in order from big to small. And you did this and you did that. Now, when you praise yourself like that, now your brain, your autonomic nervous system knows what to do the next time in order to get more praise. Mm -hmm. So it's that detail that's so important for ourselves, about ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I think that's a great, a great note to end on. Um, so thank you so much for taking the time. It's been great to, to talk with you. Oh my God. It's been so much fun. I love, yeah. I love playing with you back and forth like this. <laughs> yeah. It's a fun, it's a fun medium. Um, yeah. well, thank you. Absolutely.